The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. It is the Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, and happy to have you guys on board with us. Uh, Coming up today, there is an open practice that's uh, getting underway for UK football, and Larry Vaught, who joins us on Tuesdays, is going to be there, so you'll get a little bit of his perspective. Same for Keith Farmer from BBN Tonight and LEX 18, and so we'll get their takes on uh, what they're seeing at the open practice now that Will Levis has been named the starting quarterback. But we'll lead off with Chris Dortch talking some hoops here on the Leach Report for Tuesday as we get to the Wildcat news of the day. And it is a basketball story that is leading us off. Fans will be able to get their first look at John Calipari's next team come August 29th at Rupp Arena. The players are announced, have announced a Players First Fan Fest event. You can get tickets through Ticketmaster. There's something they can do through name, image, and likeness. Uh, there will be some skills competitions, including a dunk contest, and three-point shooting. Uh, several, maybe all of the players, have done deals with Pro Camps U. I think they were linked in a in a post social media post about this event. So I would imagine that's who's uh, putting this on. And should be a great opportunity for fans to uh, get out and see the new guys and see them in action. See how much better they look as a three-point shooting team to you. So circle August 29th on your calendar, and Ticketmaster.com is where you get tickets. I think it's less than $15, so um, it's a good price point for fans that want to take advantage of it. Uh, You can, uh, I'm sure, find details online about, uh, and probably more will be coming. I don't know with, you know, the covid restrictions and so forth if there'll be any chance for interaction but if they keep doing this in future years i would uh, imagine that there would be as we said open practice today for uk football (laughs) excuse me sorry about that i had to cough and it's a chance for uh media to get out and uh, basically it's a great opportunity for uh video to be shot pictures to be taken to uh, give everybody some some content, some fresh content, uh, visually leading up to the start of the season. So, everybody in the media always appreciates it when Coach Stoops does this uh, to to give them that to make it a little more appealing for you guys as you read all the various stories and you get a chance to watch. Now, they're not going to show you all of the the game plan for Louisiana Monroe during an open practice, obviously, but you guys will get a chance uh, and ladies to see what is. Uh, you know, what they're doing in the practice and give you some insight into, you know, who looks a certain way and give you a little uh, bit of their take on uh, what they're seeing at the open practice. So watch for those reports coming out before too long, I'm sure, via social media. AP College football poll came out yesterday. Bama's at the top, followed by Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. A couple of other Kentucky opponents on the list. Florida's ranked 13th. LSU ranked 16th. Uh, Chris Felica, a.k.a. Bear, from the ESPN Game Day show. Uh, He's a fun follow on Twitter. 
for college football info, and he's also a big thoroughbred racing fan. Anyway, uh, Bear tweeted out a couple of interesting facts. Vandy's the only team that has never been ranked in an AP preseason poll. And Indiana's ranked in this one, and that's the first time for the Hoosiers since 1969. If Kentucky can get off to that 4-0 start that fans are dreaming of, I would expect Kentucky would be ranked by uh, by that juncture uh, when they get into uh, October, that brutal stretch against Florida, LSU, and Georgia in successive weeks. Isaiah Jackson had a big night for the Pacers in the NBA Summer League, blocked seven shots, uh, and he's averaging nine points per game. So Isaiah off to a good start uh, in his NBA uh, career, and uh, he is uh, doing what he does best, blocking shots. I was uh, disappointed to see that Austin McGinnis has been waived by the L.A. Rams. Guy is so reliable. Was here as a, a kicker. Just so many big kicks that uh, that he made. I remember uh, the late uh, coach Steve Ortmeyer, who was frequently with us here on the show. Uh, Ort was a you know special team savant, and he had a lot of contacts in the NFL, and he uh, relentlessly worked to uh, to help Austin get opportunities. And uh, he just could not understand why. Uh, Teams didn't take a chance on uh, Austin. And what it came down to usually is that his leg wasn't quite as strong as they wanted for kickoffs. Uh, what had nothing to do with field goals. Um, but somebody uh, that is struggling with a, has a kicker struggling to make field goals, you know, if you don't think his kickoffs go far enough, uh, get, get a punter that can uh, put it in the end zone for kickoffs and let this guy kick field goals because he is – so reliable, but hopefully it'll uh, it'll happen for uh, Austin at some point, uh, and he he'll uh, he'll keep fighting the good fight. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're into a break. Chris Dorch will join us when we come right back from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at one of the sixty-seven locations across Kentucky. The Clark's Pump and Shop, including the newest one in downtown Lexington. Across from the Rupp Arena renovation project in the corner of Maine and Felix. Snacks and drinks when you're downtown. It's Clark's Pump and Shop. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. We go to the drinksword.com hotline to bring on Chris Dortch from the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook and Podcast. How's your summer been, Chris? <laughs> Man. It's uh, once it gets into about June fifteenth, it, it becomes uh, a crazed scramble uh, <laughs> to the finish line. I actually I take on a pretty big writing load myself for the book, and it's it's usually coaches that I know where I can just text them and set up an interview. You know, you don't really have to go through an SID or anything, and so I write twenty six stories myself. And then edit the other 325. Uh, so it gets crazy. It really does. But, uh, you know, we're about to see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And, and uh, we've got maybe a little less than a month left to produce. And and so, yeah, it, it's, it's all hoops all the time. 
<laughs> I bet it is. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Kentucky first. And the at this point, uh, I think uh, everything's locked in as far as the roster. So what's your take on the roster Cal has put together to try to bounce back? You know, it, it's, it, it's a sign of the times. I think Prince said that, right? Or somebody. <laughs> sign of the times that um, if you look at, at a proposed starting five for Kentucky, there are four players that started at other D1 programs on it. Severe Wheeler, uh, Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady, and, and Oscar Shibway. So uh, that's a good lineup, but it, conspicuous in their absence is, is a bunch of five-star guys. And I think it it kind of goes to show you that, um, you know, a lot of people just think Cal trots the balls out and everything. He's, he's a lot better coach than, than people who aren't Kentucky fans realize because he's been able to stay on top of trends. And at Kentucky, of course, you can do that if you want to get five-star players and, and – and kind of be a one-and-done program, you can do that at Kentucky. But sometimes, in the way the, the college game is now, and the, the prevalence of, uh, I mean, I think there were, uh, this is an incredible figure, but, but I had, one coach told me that he thought there was as many as 1,900 players in the portal. So, you know, I, I think Cal realized that Hey, there are some quality players in here that can fit right in and all of a sudden we're older. And if you look at, I don't know, what is it? Four of the last or three of the last four national champions, Villanova twice, Virginia, actually Baylor, uh, old, old dudes been around transfers. Um, you know, even transfers that, that started out at, at so-called mid-majors that, that, that excelled at a higher level. So I think that's what you've seen with this roster makeup of Kentucky, and I like what they put together. I mean, I've, I've seen been, been fortunate enough to, to see a lot of these guys play uh, at their previous whistle stops, especially Wheeler, uh, and – I think it's it's a good lineup. I really do. And, and again, I just think you have to be older if if you want to go through the tournament and make a deep run. I just think that experience matters. Uh, in, in a lot of in a lot of cases, it matters even more than whether a guy is four or five stars. Even when Kentucky has gone since 15 without making a Final Four, they were right there in 17 and in 19 and then didn't get a chance to see what they could have done in in 20. So uh, Cal kept them at at a high level. But it seemed like those first five years he was here, he was kind of one of the only guys fishing in that pond that you you couldn't win with one-and-done players. Uh, Well, he proved that you could, but I think you you had to get – you know more than one of them, and it's become more difficult in these uh, in that second five years for Cal to um, to accumulate 
those guys because they've you know started to go some other places and other people have started fishing in that you know other people came to fish in that pond like uh, Shashevsky, and so now if you don't have several of those five star types of talents, those top ten draft pick guys, then uh, you you better have a, a roster constructed another way. And so they've got older guys, as you said. Do they have enough talent? Do you think to be uh, to succeed at the level that Kentucky fans demand this season? You know, I, I think so. And, and again, it, it's all relative. Uh, if, if you're going to up and, and get, you know, uh, the players that they got, like AD, uh, in, in 2012, and, and regardless of age, you, you're just going to be more talented. I mean, Anthony Davis w- was a, a generational player. I think we all, all can Absolutely. admit that now. And, and Unless you're just going to be that much better, then you better do it the way Cal's done it this year. And you're right. Duke has entered the fray. Uh, a couple of these other kids are splintering off. I, I mean, gosh, Tennessee has signed, I think it's five uh, five stars in the last three years. That never happened there. And that, you know, that's Rick Barnes' MO. He, he started out signing the Grant Williams types at Texas and, and built his program until he could get the KD types. And he did the same thing at Tennessee. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people fishing in that pond. And now you have to stop and figure out ways. And this is this all goes hand-in-hand hand with Cal's MO. Uh, and I'll never forget one of his assistants told me once that the genius of the man was that every summer – he would sit down with his coaches and say, okay, here's the whiteboard of what we've got. How are we going to play? And it wasn't pushing square pegs into round holes. It was, we're going to accommodate what we've got. And, you know, this year they, they correctly, they correctly decided that we are going to have to get experienced guys. And, you know, I don't have to tell you about Wheeler. You've seen him as much as I have. But uh, not a great, great shooter, but he's disruptive as heck. You know, he, he'll play all day. He's a prolific uh, passer, and he's hard to, to keep in front of you. Kellen Grady, you know, they called him the next Steph Curry at Davidson. He wasn't quite there, but he had – Terrific numbers, and an- another guy that played a lot of minutes um, going to be fantastic. And, you know, Sheboy is a guy that I thought when he was at West Virginia, and, and it, it went to heck for him in a hurry there. You know, he it looked like he was really dealing, and, and then the next thing you know, he's, he's leaving. But uh, this guy is a huge presence in the, in, in the paint. So, and then, oh, for, lest I forget, C.J. Frederick, I mean, here's a guy that is from Kentucky, somehow managed to get out of the state and ended up at Iowa. He's as prolific a three-point shooter as there is in the country and proficient. Uh, There's a difference between, as Sonny Smith used to say, we're good at taking them, not so good at making them. (laughs) Well, this guy can take them and make them. So, you know, at a glance, 
you've seen that that Cal has fixed a couple of weaknesses uh, that really, honestly, despite the talent he's had, except for the occasional Devin Booker and guys like that, three-point shooting. So with, with Grady and Frederick, you've got veteran guys that have been there, done it, and can make shots at a very high level. And you've got a, a, a severe wheeler who can distribute at a very high level. So I don't know. I'm not Cal. I haven't been privy to his, to his uh, summer meetings with his coaches. But I would say, looking at this talent, and Davion Mintz can shoot the three. I would say looking at this talent that, that you're going to see some more elements of the dribble drive, but maybe adding some elements of what Alabama does. They call it spray, and, and that's penetrate and throw the ball out to the perimeter where you've got four guys that can make threes out there waiting. And Kentucky doesn't have that, but they've got three guys who can make threes at a what I consider to be a prolific level. So all of a sudden, there's if, if you could point one consistent weakness in the decade or so Cal's been there, it, it would be that, three-point shooting. If, if you don't have that, you're not as, uh, you can't as readily build up leads. You can't as easily eat into to big deficits. That's not going to be a problem now. I mean, get- they've got guys that can shoot it and distribute it. Absolutely. Chris, i got to run. Uh, we'll direct fans to blueribbonyearbook.com where you can pre-order the uh, new book that will be coming out soon. Uh, it's blueribbonyearbook.com, and on Twitter it's at cdorch. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Larry Vaughn will join us. We come right back. It's the Leach Report for Tuesday. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Big news for Reds fans. It's been announced that the Field of Dreams game next season in uh, Iowa is going to be the Reds against the Chicago Cubs. So that will be cool to see the Reds as part of that. We uh, talked last week about how well done that event was, with, and the game was so incredibly good with the uh, White Sox getting a, a walk-off home run to beat the Yankees. Uh, so hopefully the Reds and Cubs can uh, live up to that. So look for that in the summer of 22. Look for Larry Vaught when we come back from this break. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Larry Vaught and Keith Farmer in the second half of the Leach Report for Tuesday. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. From the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report for Tuesday. Larry Vaught joins us on the DrinkSword.com hotline from UK Football's Open Practice. So, what do you see in there, Mr. Vaught? Well, I'm still waiting to uh, go in, Tom. I thought I'd wait to talk to you. They just, just now opened the gate, so it looks like it was kind of stretching and loosening up out there. So I was trying to debate whether it was a longer line to get COVID tested or a longer <laughs> line for media to get into the open practice. So do you guys you know, stretch and things, too, before you cover them? Uh, we walk from our car to the field. <laughs> that's, that's, that's our idea of stretching. Okay. What uh, in particular do you uh, want to – 
pay attention to beyond, obviously we were watching Will Levis, but you saw him at the open practice. So what else will you be looking for since you've seen these guys uh, once? I think that I'm just kind of anxious to see uh, some, some of the various freshmen, uh, especially the two linebackers, Thrower and Wallace. kind of want to keep an eye on them and see how they seem to be doing. And then to look at the freshman receivers, I think is probably where I will focus my, my attention. I've got kind of a li- limited mental capacity, so I can't scan too many. That, that's the two areas that I want to see the most. Uh, I, I don't know, um, you know how much. Are you guys going to be there for the whole practice? You'll be here for the whole practice, <laughs> unless somebody acts up, I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if they were cutting it off at some point. So you probably you know, get some feel, I would think, for you know who the ones are and who the twos are. Yeah, I, I think there's certain parts of practice you can't do video from, which will probably be an indicator of what what's going on right there. But I think just watching the, the drills and when they go through some of their team stuff, you get a pretty good idea. You know, they rotate so many receivers and things in and out. Sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, and I don't really know in this day and age if it makes that much difference who's listed number one on a depth chart at receiver unless you're somebody like Wandell Robinson and Josh Ali. You know, those two guys are going to be out there, but the rest of them I think are going to be in and out a lot. Yeah, I've, one of the things I said that uh, when practice, practice, these practices started that I thought would be one of the more interesting storylines to track if you were watching every day is who's going to emerge as the third receiver. We know, you know, Wandale and, and Josh have proven themselves. They're going to be, you know, one and two. But there, I would think there's no consensus on, you know, who the, the third, uh, you know, guy is, the, the third most catches or be the, the third most targeted guy or something. And uh, it'll be, you know, interesting who else emerges beyond those two among the receiver core. Yeah, yeah the best thing will be, like, if there's probably – Six number three guys. Well, I, yeah. I would think we just don't know who's going to who's going to get it. All these guys are capable of stepping up and making plays, and, and that would be a pretty cool thing to see. I'm I know I'm still anxious to see Magwood a little bit. I've heard so much about him, and then a guy like Christian Lewis who caught seventy passes in high school. And I don't care what, where you are, seventy catches in a season is pretty darn good. So I'm anxious to get a, get a look at him. I know they say he's a little bit. Uh, not, not maybe not quite physical enough, but but still, uh, if you can catch seventy balls, and of course I don't, won't be, get a chance to see Dakel Crowdis, but I've seen enough of him in high school to know that when he's healthy, he can sure make a difference. Were you surprised that the announcement of Levis as the starting QB came as early as it did? I'm probably surprised that it came that early. Not surprised that it was him because it certainly seemed like every sign had been trending. That way all summer, even though I still was one of those that had trouble figuring out how you could win the quarterback job before practice even started. But I think he had done that, and when they went out and recruited him, that's what they they wanted to do. And I think the reasons that Mark gave for going ahead and making the announcement when he did were certainly very solid. It lets Will concentrate on being number one. It lets Joey go ahead and have options that he can do and take advantage of, and it lets Bo get more reps at number two than he would if he was sharing them. So it's solid reasoning, and it's a tough blow for Joey, but when you're a major college quarterback, it's just a tough position to play. It's just one guy's usually going to be playing. Yeah, it seems like because Coach Cohen has talked about uh, watching that tape of Levis coming off the bench and leading a comeback for Penn State in a game against Nebraska, I think it was, and how – you know, he was impressed by what he saw, not only just arm strength, but other things. Presence is a word that, that comes up a lot uh, 
Cohen used it last night in an interview on BBN tonight. Stoops used it, and um, you know, it kind of it is. It seems to me that Cohen identified this as a guy who could uh, be a good fit for the offense he wanted to run at Kentucky, and so uh, he comes here, and then it's just does does he confirm on the practice field what you think you saw on tape that how he would fit, and once he does, then maybe that's uh, that's all you needed to see. I think you're right. I mean, it's not really unlike a, a business when it changes ownerships or changes people at the top. A lot of times the people under them change a little bit, too, and they want their own guy in there that's a good point. with them. And, and that's kind of what what this is like. I don't think that's in, any knock against anybody else. This is just a guy that Liam thinks can direct his offense the, the best, and they brought Liam in here to, to win games, and that's what he's got to do. He's got to make some tough decisions like that and hopefully it works out the best for everybody and as I asked Mark the other night when he talked about this you know, you know there's been some years having two quarterbacks wasn't quite enough to get to get through and, and what do you do and that's when he, he talked about that they felt very comfortable with what Nick Scalzo and, and Kaya Sharon had both been doing if they got in that situation again so I, you still need depth at quarterback and hopefully there won't be a case later in the year where if Joey stayed he would have got his chance to play those guys were hurt but that's just part of the game, and we've seen Matt Rourke win a game at quarterback, and we saw Lynn Bowden win a lot of games at quarterback. Yeah, John Clay on yesterday, and uh, he and uh, Josh Moore and Mark Story did a podcast after this announcement came, and uh, somewhere in there, Mark Story, I think, mentioned that uh, you know, it would be uh, fun at some point to see uh, Wandale Robinson playing quarterback. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Hopefully Wandale can just keep catching passes. Yeah, you know, and then and Magwood played quarterback in in high school too. Kind of had to make the same type move his senior year, like when Lynn Bowden did. They really didn't have another guy they thought they could play quarterback, so they just moved him from a receiver that was all state and obviously a power five receiver. Just moved him to quarterback, and he put up big numbers. So maybe there'll be a few plays he'll get a chance to run the ball or do some different things with it. There's a lot of uh, guys that have that offer exciting potential and that people are getting hyped up about will levis one of them wandale robinson another but there there's just a lot of guys that uh the potential is there it looks good on paper you know you're not completely sold until you see it in a game and a couple of guys you wrote about on the defensive line that are two of those guys that have caught the attention of of their coach uh their position and that um are not names we heard a lot last season, but we might hear a lot more from this season. You wrote about Isaiah Gibson and Josiah, Josiah Hayes in the defensive line. Yeah, the, the, the two guys that Anwar Stewart has said they need them to be able to play, and, that, and this is their chance to, to come out and, and play. And Mark's been very high on this group of kind of what was backup defensive linemen last year that would have included Octavius Oxenine and Justin Rogers. And now certainly their chance to get out there and, and play and, and do some things. They both have a lot of physical skills. Now they just have to show they've got the focus and the intensity that they can get out there on the field and, and make plays. And, of course, I keep hearing the, the name about a, a Bully Fitzgerald more and more. Anytime I talk to anybody over here, it seems like in this last week, he's, he's an older guy, but he really hadn't had a whole lot of opportunities before either. But if, if there was one guy, I would say maybe in this first week of practice on the defense, that has really kind of made a move for himself, it might be a bully from the different things that I've heard. You know, you and I go back to those uh, great Kentucky teams that Coach Kersey had in 76, 77, and 
I remember, I think it was Rod Stewart went down in the 77 season, and you know he thought oh, they just lost the MVP of the Peach Bowl for the previous year. They'd lost their best player. You know, the team ended up going 10-1 and because a guy like Joe Dupree uh, stepped up. Um, they had guys that we just hadn't heard of yet that were uh, ready to, to answer the call, were good enough to compete and, and keep Kentucky at the level they you know, wanted to be at. And uh, it seems like that, that Stoops and company have built their depth to the point where, you know, if somebody goes down, somebody that you haven't heard of can step up. Or if somebody moves on, somebody you haven't heard of can step up, like Jamin Davis last year, and be a big-time player. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's to the point now that you might lose a guy and, and his replacement might not be quite as good, but at least the bottom didn't, didn't just fall mm-hmm. out like it has. It sometimes when it had to go to the to the backups on that. So that's a huge thing. And, yet yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that going into that one spring practice, Jamie Davis wasn't even necessarily projected as a starter. Now he's being projected by some as an NFL defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. A, a little over a year and a half later, it's just nuts what kind of things he did. So who knows who that guy might be this year. I mean, I think a guy like Jordan Wright certainly has that possibility. If J.J. Weaver gets back healthy, like what they all seem to think he's going to be, I mean, he's a guy that looked terrific at the end of last year. And they got some defensive backs back there, too, that are going to be fun to watch. I think it's just going to be a, an exciting first month if all goes as well. It's what we think. And if that's the case, then the next two months are going to be really exciting. Well, Larry, we'll let you go and get in place to uh, come back with some observations when we talk to you next Tuesday. Thank you. All right, Tom. You can read them at vaultsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com, where you'll find that story about uh, Gibson and Hayes that we were talking about and many others. We'll be right back with Keith Farmer from BBN Tonight and LEX 18. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at tomleachky.com. Well, Tim Tebow's football career might be over. He has been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's trying to make it as a tight end, playing for his old coach, Urban Meyer. But he has been released as teams had to cut down to uh, 85 on their roster after the first preseason game. We told you about uh, Austin McGinnis getting cut earlier. Now Tim Tebow gets the news. Uh, joining us on the com hotline, Keith Farmer from BBN Tonight, LEX 18. You at the open practice? Uh, I am. Just uh, been here briefly and haven't seen a ton, but I've been able to just kind of catch a little bit of that action. Looking forward to going back in and watching some more after I talk to you. Well, you got some uh, good intel last night on BBN Tonight. You guys talked one-on-one with Will Levis and then Liam Cohen and then Mark Stoops. So, uh, And you did the, those interviews over at the Craft Center. Give me uh, some of uh, your most significant takeaways from those conversations. Well, you know, I think uh, first and foremost, one of the things that stood out that, that Coach Soup said was they have clarity after making the decision. I liked that word. And you can tell maybe a weight off a shoulder because he's a guy that ultimately has to make all these big decisions within the program, and that's certainly one of them as they head up to the first game of the season. So to hear him say he has clarity and he feels good about the decision, um, that's good. Um, Liam Cohen seems to feel like, you know, Will is the guy that, that has just stepped up and performed. He's been the guy with the, the arm strength, the guy that has commanded the huddle, the guy that has commanded the attention of the players. And that's something that even Will said, um, you know, one of the things when he came on campus, he wanted to start to get to know the guys off the field so that when he gets on the field, 
um, you know, he's ready to go, and, and they can trust him, and he knows how to handle them because he's going to try and be a leader. I'll, I'll tell you, Tom, one of the really interesting things, he's, he's very mature, and, and one of the things that I thought was interesting was he, he learned from somebody else and is putting into action the fact that you've got to treat everybody a little bit differently. You know, coaches have to coach some players in different ways. They can be harsher on others and uh, easier on others, and, and, and I think he's finding – uh, that out, and, and he's ready to use that in leading the offense. Did he talk about uh, the uh, piece of uh, video, I guess it was on TikTok, of eating the banana peel and all? You know I had to ask him about that. And, <laughs> uh, yes, I uh, did ask him about that, and he said it, it didn't phase him, which I, I'm still not sure. Uh, I, you know, he, he didn't act like it did in the video. And uh, he also said it tasted like uh, banana bread. So, uh if you want to give it a shot, wait for a uh, banana to turn a little more you know, brown and, and give, give it a chance if it tastes like banana bread. But uh, for me, I, I think I'm good. I see here on my Twitter timeline, just the tweet that just came up was the SEC Network tweeting uh, the uh, video clip of that. Um, <laughs> you talked about you know command of the huddle that uh, Cohen referenced, and uh, Stoops used the word presence on Sunday night. So mm-hmm. you know the the arm strength was the the first thing that people were talking about after they got a chance to see him at the open practice last weekend. Uh, but um, yeah. a lot of discussion about just you know quarterback is is going to be a position of leadership, whether that person is is comfortable in that role or or not. But right. uh, it certainly seems from all reports that Will is uh, the kind that will embrace that role. For sure. And, and one of the other things that struck me with him was on media day, um, I heard him saying that, you know, when he was at Penn State and he was under Trace McSorley, Trace told him, you got to act like you're the starter every day. You know, he came in thinking, how can I ever contend against, you know, some of these guys in front of me? And Trey said, look, you got to make it like you're the starter every day because you don't know. You might be. There may be some injuries along the way, you know, this and that. And so I think that's the mindset he had coming on campus was that he was going to be the starter and he needed to be the leader. And I think he, he in fact, he told me he, he kind of withheld some of that, you know, because he was in a competition. But now that he is the man and has been named the starting quarterback, he's letting more of that out, that leadership and what he has learned in the offseason the field you know with the players to help him now that he's, he's leading on the field yeah that is a mature approach because you know the, the the most important thing for any leader is to have followers and you know you got to yeah. actually you know kind of prove yourself before people will follow you i think oh for sure and, and you know if there's one thing that i, I i'm going to be looking for when i walk into this practice today if i get the chance to see him throw some balls we have heard about his arm strength but I think one of the things I heard about him when he was coming, you know, even from Penn State, was that his touch on some of the shorter passes are things he needed to work on. So I'd like to see if, yeah, he's got the arm strength, he can throw it downfield, but can he, you know, throw that screen pass with a little less velocity <laughs> to make sure that the, the receiver is catching it in stride and, and able to, you know, keep moving ahead? Yeah, 300 yard, 400 yard drives, great. Got to be able to make the putts, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I asked Larry this uh, when I had him on a moment ago. I'll ask you, beyond Levis, uh, what else are you most interested to to see in this open practice you'll be watching? You know, it, it's interesting that we haven't really talked much about the defense, and in some ways I think that's good. Um, you know, I think it's it, it means things are going well for this unit. 
um, that they have reloaded at certain positions. So I think for me, I want to see some of these freshmen in action. Um, we've heard about uh, Martez Thrower. We've heard about Trevin Wallace. Um, I want to see those guys in action. I want to see Isaiah Cummings at tight end. I want to see the wide receivers. I mean, that's a position that obviously in this offense, um, you know, is not going to be doing a whole lot of blocking like we saw uh, when it was Lynn Bowden. So we're going to, we're going to see these guys running routes, catching balls. And uh, so I want to see what, what they've got on, on the wideout position, aside from maybe, you know, Epps and, um, and Wondell Robinson. And I think a lot of people, after what Stoops has said about Isaiah Cummings, are going to be uh, paying a little extra attention to him, number 84. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, maybe you should have tempered some of that a little bit, you know, to, to not give it away. That uh, you know, but, but, yeah, I think from what we've heard, he, he sounds like he's fitting right in his position. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what he can do. And, and we obviously know they've got a couple other guys ready to go in, in keeping up Shaw's absence. So um, it'd be good to, good to see what they can do. Well, Keith, we'll let you get to uh, watching the practice, and then uh, we'll get you back before the season starts for some observations. And then uh, tonight, BBN tonight, what do you guys have coming up? I think we've got – are you coming in tonight? Uh, it's Thursday, I think. We, we missed you last night, so I know <laughs> that's uh, with all the interviews that we got. Uh, but uh, a lot of what we're getting here at practice is probably what you're going to see, uh, as well as talking about a little bit of volleyball. Can you believe they were ranked third? I mean, come on. They won the national championship. Yeah. Uh, a uh, coaches preseason coaches poll number three. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, little bit of that as well, and uh, also uh, we've got uh, actually a story from the volleyball from Sunday where they, uh, you know, had their their fan day and all that, which was exciting to for them to have fans in there and see them getting ready for the upcoming season. Keith Farmer, thank you much. All right, Tom. BBN tonight, weeknight, 7.30 Eastern Time, and then uh, BBN Game Day on Saturdays. And, of course, he's also from LEX18. We'll be right back to close out this edition of the Legion Report. From- Mike Bray was on a uh, podcast with John Rothstein of CBS. The Notre Dame coach said that he and Cal are still talking about where to play the game, uh, not this coming season, but the next one. It's part of a three-year deal, and the third uh, year is going to be at a neutral site. So they're looking at the Garden in New York, Chicago, or maybe the Bay Area. That's going to do it for this edition of the Leach Report. We'll see you tomorrow with Kyle Tucker and Chris Fisher. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at Tom Leach.